Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. We are at the midway point of the NFL season. We have hit week 10. We have a, a fun spot here. I'm going to be joined, as is tradition on this podcast, by Fan Science NFL Insider Matt Verderam. We're going to break down the league at the halfway point. What's going on in the NFL? Is there anybody good outside the Bills, Chiefs, and uh, Eagles? We'll talk about that in just a bit. Let's do our week 10 NFL picks with uh, our resident movie critic, Barstool Sports, John Stanko. Let's talk about his Patriots as well. They be win over the Colts, hit the bye, five and four. A huge game with the Jets in two weeks. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Let's stay tuned to the end of the show for this two-minute drill because there's the fact that Edwin Diaz is back with the Mets. New five-year contract. A lot of fun. Big move for the Mets. Break it all down at the end of the show. If you want to get stuff like this podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering. You'll find your favorite podcast platforms. All our episodes are up there. So, again, feel free to subscribe. You want to keep up with the podcast, go back in the archive, check out some of our fun stuff we've been up to lately. Feel free to your feedback and starings as well. They'll make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of these conversations with uh, Matt Verderam and John Stang are up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip here. We're going to take a look at... The big, big, big win for the Jets on Sunday. That's coming up here right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. Opening tip time here, and what a difference a week makes in the New York Jets, who last week were embarrassed against New England. Zach Wilson played his worst game of the season. Come back in week nine, pull the most stunning upset of the year. 2017 win over the Bills, who, by the way, are the favorites for the Super Bowl this year. So, huge statement win for the Jets. The Bills, yes, were missing a few guys on the defense. Yes, their right tackle was hurt. But the spread in this game was double digits. This opened at 12 and a half points for the Bills favorite at MetLife Stadium. It dropped to 10 and a half after the injuries happened. But the Bills still had a very clear talent advantage over the overall roster and a quarterback, especially with Josh Allen being light years better than Zach Wilson. So how did the Jets find a way to win this football game? Several key factors here. Number one, the much improved performance of the quarterback. Zach Wilson, again, last week he single-handedly pretty much cost the Jets that game against New England with all the sloppy throws, trying to play hero ball, and feeling a take was in front of him. This week, he went 18 of 25 or 154 yards and a touchdown. Only one turn, which a strip sack from by Von Miller in the third quarter. He didn't see Von Miller coming, so much, much better game from Zach Wilson here. What was the big change in week eight and week nine? Zach Wilson played within the structure of the offense. He did not try to play hero ball. He wasn't trying to hold the ball forever to make the big play. He took what the defense gave him. He made plays. He made boring football plays. With the talent on this roster, that's enough to win football games. The running game was huge. 
The Jets gashed the Bills for 174 yards on the ground. Michael Carter at 76 for 12, 76 yards, 12 carries. James Robinson, 13 carries, 48 yards. Michael Carter also found the end zone late in the first half. He turned a 14-3 dash with a 14-10 game. Made it much more interesting in the second half underway. The defense was also outstanding. The Jets might have the best quarterback duo in the league right now. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. And by the way, DJ Reed, hell of a free agent pickup here. I don't know how the rest of the league missed out on him when the Jets got like a three-year contract about $39 million. That's a bargain when J.C. Jackson's getting millions to stink in L.A. for the Chargers. They limited Stephon Diggs, five catches, 93 yards. For Diggs, that's a light day, and he had the, the big 40-yard play at the start of the game. They progressed nothing after that. Gabriel Davis, only two catches for 33 yards. Added a lethal pass rush, which sacked Josh Allen five times, by the way. And there was a live variety of contributors. Carl Lawson, Bryce Huff with the key strip sack late in the game to knock the Bills way back on their final drive. Michael Clemens, Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers, the list goes on here. Jermaine Johnson, a big sack in this game, the rookie. They took advantage of mistakes. Josh Allen threw two key picks. The Jets were able to take advantage. The Jets will shut the Bills down in the second half and deliver the kind of win that you puts them on the map. Now the Jets have their bye this week. They're 6-3. and three. They have a 5-3 and three record in the AFC, which is important because the AFC is a little muddled here. They have two weeks to get ready for New England here, the rematch of the Week 8 game. This is critical for their postseason helps because right now you look at the standings after Week 9 here in the AFC, and there are realistically... Seven teams in contention for the postseason in the American Football Conference here. So, take a look at the overall ace picture. Buffalo's in first, six and two. Just have a head to head with them, by the way. Kansas City, second, six and two. Those two are locks to get in. Baltimore is leading the North, six and three. Tennessee leading the South, five and three. They're probably getting in regardless because that division stinks. Then the wild cards got the Jets and Dolphins, six and three. Jets are ahead of Miami based on a head to head win in week five. The Chargers have the last squad cards right now, five and three. And you got New England, Cincinnati, five and four right behind. So nine teams, seven spots. I don't think anybody else in the AFC is making a run here. And the Jets here, they cannot get swept by New England here. They have to win this football game because they do that. They're seven and three. They have three home games they realistically should win left on their schedule. They have the Bears at home, and then they have back to back week 15 and 16, Detroit and Jacksonville. Those are three games you can win. You, you you get New England in these games, you're at 10. And then you have four tricky road games left here, including very difficulty from at Minnesota. I was 7-1 right now. At Buffalo, the rematch of this game. At the Seahawks, Week 17, which, again, Seattle not leading the NFC West with Geno Smith, a quarterback, the former Jet. At Miami, Week 18, the rematch there. So you get this New England game, and you take care of the three home games you're supposed to. You're at 10 wins. And that's probably getting you in the postseason this year, considering they have some key tiebreakers already in the scenario here. This is a good spot to be in for the Jets. So right now, it's a lot of fun to be a Jet fan. And they have a long postseason draft they're trying to snap here. So I see a lot of fun. We'll talk more about the Jets and the rest of the league at a halfway point. With fan sides, Matt Verderam right after this call from CBS's Ian Eagle and uh, Charles Davis after the Sauce Gardner pick of Josh Allen in the Jet game on Sunday. It's a loss of seven for Buffalo. Second and 17. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. 
And the Jets are in business inside the Buffalo 20. What a read by Sauce Gardner because he was playing too deep zone. And that means the corners are rolled up in about a five-yard position between them and the wide receiver. All right, we are back here. NFL halfway through the season, nine weeks down. Joining me today to... Who is coming on Analyst Disney on the podcast? The NFL midseason report with fan size NFL insider Matt Verderam. Matt, how are you? Doing great, Michael. How are you? Doing pretty good. I just want to get your general take on the season as a whole. But I mean, I've been watching the NFL since I was a kid, like in '98, my first season watching the league. I cannot remember a season more bizarre than this one. Yeah, you know, it's a year where there's a lot of mediocrity. Um, excuse me. Uh, I don't. I don't remember a year where you looked at the league as a whole and said there may be are three teams that can win the Super Bowl. And then as you expand that and you say, okay, well, who who could make a push and it wouldn't shock you? I mean, maybe you get to seven total teams, eight total teams. It is, it is a year with a lot of bad quarterback play. It's a year with a lot of bad coaching. Um, it's a year where you don't have that rookie influx that are really high-impact guys at, at, at the quarterback position. Uh, and I think what you're left with is a league that is very top heavy with, with Buffalo, Philadelphia, and Kansas City. And then that, that underbelly, that second tier, which I think is going to really make the, the second half of the season interesting. Yes, for sure. I think start the two New York teams. I feel like they're trying to push for that second tier here. Start with the Jets, who pick up this huge win on Sunday against the Bills on the strength of the defense and the running game here. They're 6-3 and three now. They are... Firmly the AFC playoff on trying to snap the longest playoff drought in the league. Like, I know they have quarterback questions. How good do you think this team actually is? I think the Jets know exactly who they are. And that that goes a long way toward being a good team. Um, you know, I see them a lot the same way I see the Titans. You know, the, the Titans aren't flashy. They're not going to throw for 400 yards. or They're not, they're not going to do those things. But they can run the heck out of the ball. They're really physical. They're really good defensively. They're well coached. I think the Jets are similar. I, you know, I, I think the Jets are. If the Jets are in the AFC South, they probably win it. Um, you know, I, I was very impressed by their win over Buffalo. You know, they got down fourteen to three, and I thought to myself, "Oh, here it comes. Buffalo's just going to run them over." And the Jets hung tough. They didn't. They didn't let the game get away from them. Uh, you know, they made some plays. They forced a few turnovers. They didn't fall apart when Wilson lost that one fumble down in the red zone. Uh, I think the Jets. Look, if you look at their schedule. Three of their eight games remaining are still at home. Jacksonville, Chicago, Detroit, got to win those games. Then can you get one of them on the road? It's not easy. Their their road games are not games you look at and go, oh, that's an easy one. It's Minnesota, Seattle, and the three teams in the division. Can you win one of them? If they do that, they get to 10, they make the playoffs. I think the Jets have a real shot. And, and, you know, I'm I'm very impressed by the way they played this year. Absolutely. I'm also been very impressed with how the Giants have played this year too, because I mean they're on their come off their bye. Yeah. They're six and two right now. And honestly, like this team you watch look at the roster as a whole and say, I don't get how they're doing it because they have a good running game, they have some good defenders, but there's very talent efficient in certain areas. I think this is a case where I feel like coaching makes all the difference here. I feel like Brian Dale's got as much out of that roster as anybody possibly could in the league. Yeah, you know, I, I think right now, Brian Dable, to me, is the coach of the, of the year. And you can make an argument, Salah's in there, Sirianni's in there, uh, O'Connell is in there. But Dable has turned that team around. And that team has been so bad culture-wise for years 
to now be a team that's six and two coming off the bye, they're gonna get the Texans at home, they should get the seven and two. Um I give I give Dave all the credit in the world. I think he did a great job with his hiring. You know, I, I want to note with Dave, I'm gonna write about this at some point, but you know, a lot of these guys come in, they get their first job, and they don't hire anybody with a strong opinion on their side of the ball. Dable comes in as an offensive coach, hires Mike Kafka away from the Chiefs, quarterbacks coach, now the OC with the Giants. Kafka is widely regarded as a guy who's going to be a head coach. Dable had no problem bringing him in. He brings in a veteran defensive coordinator in Wink Martindale. Well, guess what? The defense is really good. And Martindale is a huge reason why, because they are not the most talented defense in the world. That is, a, that is an example of coaching, of leadership, of vision. And I think the Giants are probably going to be a 10-win team or so. They're going to make playoffs in the NFC. Yeah, for sure here. And right now, like we've had only one end of team in the league since week five. That's the Eagles right now. They're 8-0 on the season. They're trying to get to 9-0 and this week here. I don't know if they're actually going to feed. Like, how long do they keep this going without suffering a loss? They won't go undefeated, but you know what? They could go a little while. They have a they have a schedule so favorable, but they'll trip up. You know, it's the NFL. They'll lose a game they shouldn't. Uh, you know, they play Dallas on the road. That, you know, that, that's a game they could certainly lose. They still play the Giants a couple times. They could, they could lose a game there. I, I think Philly's going to win 14, 15 games, uh, but they won't go undefeated. It's just it's too hard. There's a reason that only one team in NFL history has ever done it. It's just, it's such a grind. And in today's NFL, it's such a more competitive game than it even was in the 70s when the Dolphins did it. I, I think look, Philly's terrific. I think they're for real. I don't buy into these people who think it's just because of a soft schedule. Uh, I, I think the, the Eagles are excellent. But I, I don't think that they're going to go out there and run the table. I, I, I would be pretty surprised. Stick out the vision for a minute as well with the Cowboys. I feel like if there's a team outside the top three that can make a big push here, I do think Dallas has it because that defense and their running game, and they have a capable quarterback here. What do you think about that team? I think they can make stack up compared to the elites of the league. Yeah, I mean, look, Dallas is a great pass rush, and that's a great equalizer in today's NFL with the way the game has gone. So you, know, you look at the NFC and you see Philly, and then you look at who else. Well, the Vikings are 7 1. Now, the Vikings are. A, a team that I don't think you'll look at them and think it, that they're a one-loss team, but they are. Um, the NFC South is terrible. The NFC West, I think the Niners are going to make a big push at some point. The two talented, uh, yeah, limited quarterback, but so good around them. And they're another team. They know who they are. Uh, Seattle's been a fun story. I think Seattle's a, a playoff team. Uh, but I, I think in the NFC, the top two challengers for Philadelphia to deal with, to me, are Dallas and San Francisco. Yeah, it makes some sense here. And you mentioned the top here that we we basically are consensus agreeing that the three best teams in the league are Buffalo, Kansas City, and Philadelphia here. Is there anybody below them that you feel like can really make a push to join that tier of being a true Super Bowl threat? I think it's a it's a group of teams. I put Dallas and San Francisco in there, like I just said. Uh, I put Baltimore in there. I put Cincinnati in there. Um, I... <sighs> I guess you have to say Minnesota. I mean, they're seven and one, but I think it's those teams. I mean, I, I, I think the Giants have done a great job. The Jets are doing a great job. I need to see those teams be able to sustain at the quarterback position. That to me is when you get in January, you got to beat the Mahomes and the Allens of the world. Um, you know, the Chargers have Herbert, but they're so poorly coached. 
and they're so beat up. I can't trust them. I, I should also throw on Miami. I've got about Miami. Look, Tua is having a breakout year. They have a great offense. They can't stop anybody. But offensively, they can score with anybody. Uh, I, I would have to throw them in as well. That's for sure. And obviously, I feel like this year as a whole has been a lot of teams that we thought were going to be very good that have been very disappointing thus far. Who do you think has been the biggest letdown? Yeah, there's a, I mean, look, you could take any of those big three out of the NFC, right? The Rams, the Bucks, the, the Packers. I mean, I, I have to say the Packers. The Packers have been awful. Um, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. And I remember really debating, like, between them and Tampa. And I feel like now, geez, I mean, I, you know, both those teams stink. So I would say Green Bay. I think the other team you can make case for in the A's is Denver, who is just abominable. The Raiders are another team. Uh, there's no shortage of disappointments to pick from. I think the Packers, because I think they had the highest ceiling of all these teams, and they've fallen apart, though. They've got to be my choice. Yeah, it's definitely a fair choice here. I want to touch on also here the Bucks because obviously, I mean, their division is terrible. So, like, even with how bad they are, they probably can still make the postseason if they play well down the stretch here. But, like, is there any real upside to this team besides maybe winning a playoff game? Yeah, I think that's probably it. I mean, look, I still I think they'll win the division because the division is awful, um, and the conference is bad enough. Though. Maybe they maybe they beat somebody in a playoff game, but they they're not good. They're not contenders. They're not turning this around. They, their offense is just a shell of what it's been. Defensively, I think the uh, the injury to Barrett is a killer. He's such a good player. Without him, they don't have that edge rush. Uh, they're not beating Philly in a playoff game. They're not beating the Niners. They're not beating the Cowboys. You know, maybe maybe they get lucky if they get like the Giants or something in a playoff game. Okay, maybe. But they're just, they're a shell of what they once were. I think it's time for a, a pretty big retooling for an older team. Yeah, part of me watching that team is wonders if Tom Brady regresses this point coming back because he has looked like he, that he stayed one year too long. Yeah, you know, you never know what somebody's thinking, right? But I think, there's got to be the thought process of, you know, it was this the right decision. And, you know, everybody knows at this point, I mean, he wanted to go to Miami. That's been out there. That's been reported. That's fact. He, he wanted to go to the Dolphins. Uh, you can see why. The Dolphins are a really interesting team. Tampa Bay is old and tired and out of sync. Uh, I know it's Brady, so you never want to totally count him out. But it feels like the Buccaneers have just run their course. Yeah, I feel like is with the Rams, also you mentioned them a second ago here, is like is the biggest thing with them really just the offensive line being completely broken and why this team is being is has been a struggle as much as it has? Yeah, that's most of it. I mean everything everything struggles with that, right? If you can't block, then you can't run. If you can't run, you're longer down a distance and then it kind of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, then you can't block again because now teams can pin their ears back. Stafford isn't mobile, so he's gonna throw picks out of that. He's, the only guy who's throwing more picks than Stafford sure is Matt Ryan. Uh, and then, you know, look, defensively, they're not bad, but they're asked to do everything. You know, so it's it's all those things. And also, let's also say, too, if the ball's not going to Cooper Cup, there's just nobody. Allen Robinson's been a huge disappointment. Uh, the Rams just need to rebuild, and they don't have the picks to do it. And they don't seem to care if they don't, they don't have the picks to do it. Um, they have a lot of issues moving forward. They do. I think another team has a... I uh, moving forward. Did not make a disappointment list. I feel like I I put out there like right behind Green Bay is the Colts because this is the team that going in the year we thought yeah. Matt Ryan will stabilize the quarterback position. They're going to win the they have a chance to win the division because it's really bad. 
They're three, five, and one. They have now made a circus of themselves with the firing Reich and bringing Jeff Saturday off of ESPN to be the coach. So, like, what do you think about what happening over there? Uh, I think I think the word circus is apt. Um, look, everybody talks about Saturday and what does it mean. Sure, we have that conversation, but to me, it's more about what it says. If you're Jim Irsay and you're doing this, you're telling every one of those coaches on staff that they're useless, that they're not a better choice to be an interim head coach than a guy who's never coached above the high school level. And I don't want to hear that, well, Jeff Saturday's played, and you know that's why. Okay, well, you have Reggie Wayne on staff. Why isn't he the interim head coach? Why isn't Cato Jr. the interim, interim head coach? Well, I mean, you, you've got you've got guys like Bubba Ventrone who have been special teams coaches who can't get a shot. I mean, I, to me, it just says everything about the Colts that they don't trust any of their own guys in the building. So they're going to go with this outside guy because Jim Mercer on a whim just decided that would be the right thing to do. You're alienating everybody in your building. I talked to a lot of people in the NFL right after it happened who were shocked. And a lot of – I had one guy fly out there. I didn't go anywhere they're doing it. They want to lose every game the rest of the year. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that opinion, but I think that it's indicative of a franchise that has no rudder. Yeah, that's certainly for sure here. I think also, like – and I think it's also surprising. I know that you were locked in the AFC West in terms of like keeping eye on things here. That that division as a whole, so this would be the greatest division in sports. They have all these imports coming in here, and like apart from the Chiefs and the Lester and the Chargers, that division is largely flopped. Yeah, uh, you know, look, I, my big question with the Raiders is always, always going to be McDaniel's. I, I did not like the hire. I wrote about that at the time. I thought it was a hiring that everybody went crazy about because of his time in New England. He doesn't get to take Brady with him. Like, if you look at his career without Brady, he has been terrible as an offensive coordinator. Terrible. He was not good as coach. And here's the team that's 2-6, and six, and in three of their losses led by at least 17 points. The Broncos, Hackett's the guy who comes in, and you say, okay, well, what do you have? Well, nothing. Because he's never had to call plays before, uh, in, a, in a situation that's worked, you know, Green Bay, he wasn't calling the plays. It was on the floor. He goes to Denver. He's overmatched. He's overwhelmed. I have nothing against Nathaniel Hackett, but I mean, I, I think it's fair to say he might be the over, most overmatched coach I've ever seen. And then with the Chargers, it's a bad offensive scheme. Defensively, they're still terrible. They have all these injuries. Look, they're five and three. Maybe they find a way into the playoffs, but. All the, the excitement around the Chargers this offseason, they look like the same old Chargers. Yeah, that's certainly for sure here. In terms of the playoff races here, like which one intrigues you the most? Like, What are you keeping your eye on here? So this is interesting to me. What do I want to focus in on the second half? Uh, I, I think the AFC wild card race. I mean, to me, you've got the Dolphins, the Jets, the Pats, the Chargers, the Bengals. Which of those three teams are going to make the playoffs? I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that unfold. Um, in the NFC, who's going to win the NFC West? Is Seattle going to continue its Cinderella story? It has a game and a half lead on the Niners. I think the Rams and Cardinals are done. The Niners have already beaten Seattle. They play them again in Lumen Field later in the year. Uh, who wins? I, I think San Francisco, if they win the division, they become much more dangerous. They might have a home game. Or two. Well, they would have a home game. They might have two home games. They might have to shake. Uh, you know, otherwise, they're, they're going to have to go on the road. There might be a seventh seed. So I'm very interested to see 
those two races and how they play. Yeah, it's a very strange year in general. Because, I mean, I look at the NFC wildcard picture. I mean, outside of the 70s, rounds of the 49ers. I mean, Atlanta, Washington, the Rams, the Saints, the Packers, the Cardinals, the Bears are all, like, with game out. This doesn't really inspire much confidence in, in any of those teams. No. No, it doesn't. I, I think, uh, you know, when I look at the NFC, I feel like I almost already know the playoff field. I mean, I think you're getting the three from the NFC East. I, I believe you will. You're going to get the Vikings. You're gonna, I think you'll get Tampa. And then Seattle and San Francisco. I think those are the seven teams. I really do. I, I don't know that any, anybody else in the conference finishes above 500. So I, I think that's probably what you're looking at. The AFC is much more open. I think Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, uh, and, and then Tennessee, I think, will win their divisions. But Miami's right there. The Jets are right there. Uh, you know, the, the, the Bengals are there. The Chargers are there. The Pats are there. It's, and a lot of these play each other. You know, the Pats have to play against the Bengals. Uh, you know, they, they, the Dolphins will play the Chargers. Obviously, you'll see the AFC East as well as divisional matches. So there's going to be a lot at stake in a lot of these games. It should be very interesting. It's really very interesting here, too. And obviously, before I let you go here, I mean, we have week 10 coming up here. It's a little weird in terms of schedule-wise. It doesn't seem like a ton of great games. What are you watching for this week? What's the most exciting games to come out to you on Sunday? Uh, I like the Sunday night game, Niners and Chargers. I think the Niners are going to roll San Diego. I'll call them San Diego forever. I think they're going to roll Los Angeles because I don't think they can stop the run. I think the Niners are going to come out of the fight and run all over them. But it's an interesting game. You know, the Niners are 4-4 four and four for all the love that we all give them. Yeah, they got to win. They got to win these games. It's at home. It's off the bye. Um, that's an interesting game to me. Uh, during the day, you know, you're right. There's not a, there's not a ton of matchups you look at and say, "Well, that's a great game." Bills and Vikings, I think, has to be the game, right? You look at that, and is Josh Allen going to play? Is he healthy? Um, what do you get out of Buffalo? And a game that I think is important for the Bills. Like the Bills are this runaway one seed. Now they're tied with the Chiefs, and they have the breaker. The Chiefs have one of the easiest schedules in football remaining. So the Bills have to keep winning. This is a big test for them. It does like the one thing, the Munich game is also very fascinating too because Seattle obviously is going out to play Tampa. And Tampa right now, they think maybe that that win over the Rams sort of rights their ship here. This is a game that they have to get too. Yeah. I mean, it's a really important game for Tampa Bay. They, they, you're right. They get that lifeline of a win against, uh, against the Rams last weekend. I know Seattle's the dog in the game. I think Seattle's a much better team. I really do. Like, I think the only reason that they're an underdog is because it's this whole, like, well, it's Tom Brady and Geno Smith. But, well, Geno Smith's been better at Tom Brady this year. So, I, I like Seattle. I think Seattle's going to go out there and get the job done. Now, granted, it's in Germany. You know, that might throw everything out of whack because it's just a weird body clock game or anything else. But I, uh, I think Seattle's a better team. I really do. Yeah, and my other game, I just took it here. Last one here. Denver, Tennessee, I think it's fascinating here. I think Denver off the bye, sort of circle the wagon spot here. Tennessee, I think, is vulnerable. This game off that emotional loss against the Chiefs on Sunday night where they just put everything they had in that game and find a way to lose that game. I think if Denver's do anything second half, they have to get this game. Yeah, Denver's schedule is brutal. I mean, they have the Chiefs twice. They still have to play the Chargers. They have the Titans, obviously, this week, you should point out. They have the Rams on Christmas. Uh, they, they, they have a lot of hard games. A lot of hard games. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting. I got to tell you, I don't think Tennessee's given up more than 10 points in this game. I, <laughs> I mean, Denver, can't, they can't score. They, they just cannot score. Now, Tennessee may not score a ton either. If you're a better, you might take the under in this game. But uh, I'm with you. I think it's an interesting game. I like Tennessee to win it, though, at home. 
Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, people follow you on social media, keep up with the NFL coverage over at Fansided. Yeah, I mean, check out fansided.com, read Mike's great work and the rest of the NFL team. Uh, you can check me out at Matt Berteram on Twitter, B-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E. Uh, I'm on there way too often. Uh, Stack in the Box podcast, you can follow me there on YouTube or on iTunes, however you want to do it. Uh, and then all my work as well at fansite.com, all of it getting tweeted out. So uh, go check it out. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot. Take care. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number 10 here on the podcast. Joining me today to break it all down, make our picks here as he are over the halfway point of the NFL season. You know him from Barstool Sports. You know him from this podcast as our movie guy, the Stanko Stance guy himself. John Stanko is here. John, how are you? Doing great, Mike. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're over halfway through the NFL season, as crazy as that sounds. So hopefully I give you some good picks today. Thanks for having me. No problem. And for once, I think I actually get to care at the end, halfway towards the end of the NFL season. I think it's actually good. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's going to be, it's the New York, the, the state of New York has a bountiful amount of good football teams. It's crazy. No one would have thought that at the start of the year. Yeah, and obviously your team right now, they're, they're a strong 5-4 and four, last place in the division, but still, like, you know, in the playoff hunt here. And they won the game. Like they got Frank Reich fired. So what do you think about that game week 10? I mean, we love killing the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> it's just a thing that Patriots fans relish in. Uh, it's amusing, to say the least. But what an ugly, ugly football game last week between the Patriots and the Colts. I mean, the, the Patriots didn't particularly play well. Their offense still looked like hot garbage, but their defense is good. Doesn't matter who they play. Their defense seems to be pretty good. And the only team that's really took it to them uh, on the offensive side was the Bears. And Justin Fields is freaking, I mean, he's been rejuvenated into QB1 fantasy for the past five weeks. So Patriots just caught the Bears at a bad time. But listen, I'll, I'll take getting over 500 any way I possibly can. Yeah, and that's, that's they're a team I have a hard time figuring out what to make them because obviously you had the whole thing of Mac Jones getting injured and Bailey Zappi comes in his match for a few weeks and it's back to Mac Jones. He has to look great. They love to run the ball. They have a good defense here. Like, how good is this team actually, in your opinion? I don't think they're very good. That's my honest answer. <laughs> um, I think we're going to be on the fringe of the seven seed in the playoffs like we were last year. I think there's a chance we get in, but our our remaining schedule is really tough, Mike. Like. I think uh, six out of the eight teams that we have left are going to be playoff teams um, with the only two not being the Arizona Cardinals and the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, we're ending the season with the Dolphins and then at the Bills. And the way it's looking, both those teams are going to be playing for a lot because we don't know what the Josh Allen injury is going to be. So the division might be up for grabs. So it's not like you're running off a cupcake in the last two weeks either. And we got the Jets coming out of the bye too. And I mean, that game is going to be massive for how the rest of the season unfolds. Yeah, I really had that written down. When you see the video versions, I wrote in the crayon, the Jets-Pats is massive in all cats for both of these teams, especially considering the Pats had the only win, the Jets, the only game the Jets have lost in the division so far was that New England game in Week 8, where now they have two weeks to get ready for this game. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is. I also have massive in all caps in my notes as well, so we're, we're thinking on the same wavelength there. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you think this game is going? Coming out of a bye... Uh, the first game, I think, was more lopsided than people expected, including myself, uh, even though the score didn't necessarily uh, show how the Patriots defense tormented Zach Wilson. Um, so what do you think of week 11 coming out of the bye? Well, I mean, watching that game, I remember sitting here watching. I'm like, 
Man, the Jet roster is just much more talented than the Patriot roster. Right now, the difference is Zach Wilson was a bonehead, and that was the reason why they lost that football game. And if he doesn't do stupid things, I think they have a great shot to snap the, the, the long losing streak finally. I, I think you'd be right. Um, I think it is huge that the Patriots are getting David Andrews back at center so they can fix some of their offensive line problems. Because if they don't, then the Jets' defensive line is going to feast. But for some reason, I'm still confident that I think it's one of those things Bill Belichick is in Zach Wilson's head. Yeah. Much like how Bill Belichick torments Jared Goff, no matter how well he's playing coming into the game, part of me still thinks we're going to get one to two Zach Wilson interceptions that just shouldn't have been thrown. So that, I mean, but frankly, the Patriots have to rely on that because they don't have a lot of playmakers regardless to, to push the game their way. They have to make it muddy. They have to make it dirty and they have to hope that the home crowd kind of carries them to a W. Yeah, I also not surprised that Belichick plays some mind games at picking white so the Jets can't do the white-black uniform count they've been winning in. You know what? I didn't know that, and I love that fact. I'm going to bring that up to Steve. I'm watching this game week 11 with Steve Colto, who you know well, yes. diehard Jets fan. Yeah, We have not watched a game together, Patriots-Jets, since college. Yeah. This is going to be the first one. Uh, I mean, this is going to be absolutely biblical in my house when we start yelling <laughs> at the TV together. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. We do have the week off. It's also nice for us because we kick back and enjoy the football without having to stress about our teams right this week. That's true. This is my apple picking week, though, Mike. And you know, there's always that one week where you make plans with the girlfriend, the fiance, the wife to go do stuff on the weekend because is- your team's not playing. That's this week for me. Uh, I'm an open book on Sunday. I think there's going to be some wedding planning for us. Uh, there's going to be some family stuff. Uh, I'll be following on Red Zone and and on the Score app for as much as I can. But I don't know if I'm going to be camped out in front of the TV from 1 o'clock to 11 p.m. like I normally am. Honestly, this is a good Sunday to say, you know, like, we'll go apple picking. We'll do some wedding planning. I'm going to watch Sunday night game. That's really it. I think that's a good good way to go this week. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, again, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I scored some brownie points. I'm inviting her mom and her brother over for dinner Saturday night. So hopefully I can ease a little bit of my time into Sunday. Uh, so we'll see. But definitely going to be invested because it starts off at 930 a.m. We got a 930 a.m. Germany game. Yes, we do. Yes, we do here. And we'll get to the reason why you're here right now, which is the picks for the week here. And our good, my good friend, uh, Joe Chaffee, I believe you know as well, he was on last week to do the NFL picks. I'm going to put the mm-hmm. graphic on the screen here for people to see how this went here. We Joe went 2-1 last week. Joe had the Ravens laying 2.5 on Monday night against the uh, Saints, won that one outright. He had the Seahawks getting 2 against the Cardinals, they won that one outright. He had the Vikings laying 3.5, he lost that one, so 2-1 for Joe. I went heads up with him on that game to the Commanders, getting the 3.5. I got that one right, thanks to the hook. I had the tight his Titans getting 12 and a half points Sunday football. They end up covering the number. Could have won the game outright, did not. I lost on the Packers. I thought this is the circle of the wagon week. It is not happening. Our friend Joe D, I'm sure he's thrilled with how this team season's going for them. Yeah, I don't think there's any uh no Packer hope at all. They play the Dallas Cowboys this week, too, and that that hungry defense. Aaron Rodgers, man. Uh he's not gonna be a Packer next year. Now he can start talking about where he's gonna go. That's gonna be the storyline for the, the for Green Bay the rest of the year. Yeah, that's for sure. I went two and one the week also last week. So twelve and fifteen of the season for me, thirteen and fourteen. It's been a rough one. This year's been hard. Yeah, about uh, I put out my picks every week on stake on stance. A uh, little plug there. Uh, I am I think just under fifty percent on the year. I think I'm literally like forty nine percent. So I'm right around five hundred. Um, and which you know what, gambling wise, I think that's pretty darn good. Um, and again, I'm. I'm like 55%, 58% on straight up. Same thing with the over-unders. I'm about uh, about there as well. So I go through every game. So that'll be coming out 
uh, this week as well to preview week 10. Yeah, I did hit my first season over under total this week. I did hit the jet over this on the uh, win on Sunday. So now that I, I have cashed in one. There you go. There you go. You'll take that. You'll take that. Yeah, not going as well as the baseball ones. I went five and one in baseball. I don't think I'm going to do that well in football. Uh, listen, I don't bet baseball. I can't do it. I tried for a month. I lost way too much money, Mike. I am yeah. not doing it anymore. Yeah, not base- doing it. Baseball, the only way to do it is the season longs. That's the only way you really like, can like do it, in my opinion. Otherwise, day day is too hard. Yeah, season long though. What are you like? You're gonna place the bet for the win total and then wait 162 games to see if you win. Brutal. You want that instant satisfaction. That's why it's so dangerous. I, I feel like that makes that satisfies my itch more. Not pretending to go on the app every single day. That is true. That is true. I like uh, the season long a lot in the NBA. Big yeah. over unders uh, win total guy in the NBA. So I did did a few of those. Um, so I'm I'm a pretty big NBA fan. I'm watching random games here and there. So just something extra to root for there. Yeah, I did my NBA overruns the first for the first time on the podcast this year. So I have you want to hear my picks before it gets ours. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you got? I have over on the Nuggets 50 and a half. I got the same thing. Yeah. I have under on Brooklyn 50, 50 and 51 and a half, I think I have it on. I didn't place that. I didn't place one. Um though I think right now you're looking pretty good. I have over on the Nick total 38 and a half. Uh, I believe I took the under on the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, that one I have an under on the Clippers at 52 and a half. I was betting on load management. I did not bet anything on the Clippers. I don't trust that team as far as I could throw them. All right. So those are the, those are those picks here. Let's get to the NFL picks. So the reason why you're here, Stanko, I guess you can go first. Where are you going with pick number one? Pick number one. The first pick I have is an underdog. An underdog. Now I'm going to take the points, but I like them outright. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers to defeat the New Orleans Saints. Mike Tomlin is coming off of a bye. He's a better coach than Dennis Allen. You saw how pitiful the Saints were on Monday night against the Ravens. They were absolutely awful. Their offense can't do a goddamn thing. Andy Dalton, why is he playing quarterback? But what is the point? Like, nobody knows. Jameis Winston's just chilling there on the bench. So I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off the bye. Watts coming back. That defense is going to be hungry. Two weeks to prepare for a game compared to six with one coach significantly better than the other. I am taking the Pittsburgh Steelers plus two and a half. I also like them outright. That's my first pick. I love this pick, too. I feel like the Saints are overrated the entire season. and Vegas still overrating them because they've shown nothing to me more than being a road favorite in this game. Yes, I completely agree. Can I list off a crazy stat to you that I got from the Action Network that sure. also backs this up? Mike Tomlin is 36, 39, 16, and 1 at 71% as an underdog from week five forward in his career. During that time, he's untouchable at home, going 14, 2, and 1 against the spread in that after five week trend. Crazy. I love that. That just makes me feel even better. Yeah, it's a fantastic idea to back you up. We're going here, pick number two. My pick number two, I'm going with the Chicago Bears minus two and a half against the Detroit Lions. We got one team that lost the game last week, but feels good about it in the Lions or in the in the Bears. But we got the Lions coming off a W, so they might be feeling high and mighty, and they're and they're due for a letdown spot. I love the way this funnels together. How are the Lions going to stop Justin Fields? He set a single season uh, NFL single game regular season record with 175, 178 rushing yards last week. Then the Lions have the worst defense in football. I don't care if they stop the Packers. The Packers offense is hot garbage. It's terrible. Justin Fields is playing better than Aaron Rodgers right now. Take the Bears, let them run down the field on the Lions because they're going to cover by more than two and a half. Don't care if it's in the if it's a if it's a division game. The Bears are just the better team. I love this pick because I mean you're getting great value to two and a half at home. That's a good. That's easy. Right. I, I don't know why it's only that line. That makes me a little nervous, frankly. Yeah. That it's only that fishy. But I'm going to take it. I'm going to bite. I'm going to bite on the bait. All right. Where are you going with your last pick of the week? 
Last pick, we're going prime time. We're going the San Francisco 49ers versus Los Angeles Chargers. And I'm taking the 49ers minus seven. You're telling me that the worst rushing defense in football, allowing over five yards per carry, is going to stop uh, the 49ers who love to pound the rock, who now have Christian McCaffrey at running back, arguably the best running back in football, who don't want to put the ball in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo and they rather just grind you down like meat and create sausage links out of you down the field, back and forth, back and forth. The 49ers are going to control this game from the get-go. They're going to put so much pressure on Justin Herbert in that tough offensive line. Again, coming off of a bye, I love this spot for the 49ers. They put a whooping on the Rams the last time we saw them, and they only have a bye week to to increase the momentum that they had. Give me the 49ers minus seven in primetime. Yeah, I mean, with the toughness of that team compared to the Chargers, I love that pick as well. Yeah, the Chargers should have lost last week. They only lost because the Falcons falconed harder than the Chargers chargered, if you get what I mean there. <laughs> the Falcons got the ball back. They had a chance, and then they just fumbled it away. Like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, not great. All right, you're on the board now. I'm up with you. Pick number one, family play on the Bears. I love this pick with you here because I see this game here. I'm like... Justin Fields has been unlocked. They figured out, you know what? He's going to be our version of Lamar Jackson. We're going to resign runs for him. We're going to let him play his game. He's got a lot better here. The Packers, offense you mentioned here, is completely broken. So it's no shock that Detroit stopped them. Detroit gets about 30 points against everybody else in the league. So the Bears have a big day offensively here. And I think the Bears defense is a lot better than the Detroit offense at this point, especially when they're not using DeAndre Swift enough here. So I'll go with your family play. Two and a half on the Bears. Yeah, listen, I love it. The Bears, they traded away everyone on defense, but now everyone who's playing is playing for a roster roster spot, so they're going to be playing hard. They're not going to let any snaps go to waste. All right, pick number one. Pick number two. I'm going to stay in New York and take the Giants getting six and a half at home against the Houston Texans here. And this is a team I know is very well coached. They're coming off a bye. They're getting a bad football team coming in here. And I'm getting less than a touchdown. I love it. The Giants take care of business all year long. They've beaten everybody they're supposed to beat this year. They've gotten a few wins they shouldn't have. This is a game they should win very easily. They're coming off a loss, so they have more motivation to come out here hot. So I think it's a double-digit win over the Texans. Give me the Giants laying six and a half pick, too. I like it. I don't love it. I'm just a little bit worried about the Giants. They had the momentum coming out of the bye. They're going to take some time to get the wheels turning again and get that momentum. But I do think the Giants are going to win. Houston Texans are by far the worst team in football. So I like it. I don't love it. All right, let's pick number two. Pick number three. I think it's a big bounce back spot for the Bills here, laying five and a half at home against the Vikings here. And I have not a big on Minnesota. I picked against them last week. They've been in, I believe, eight, seven or eight straight one possession games. They have been very, they have won all of them at this point. The, the wheel is going to sort of turn against them here. I think they're going to a buzzsaw with Buffalo coming off this loss to the Jets. We have a little uncertainty about Josh Allen's elbow, but he should be fine in this game here. I think you're walking into a trap here for Minnesota. I think this is one where they're going to stack up against the big boy. Not going to come out looking looking very good here. I think it's going to be a, if I would say, double-digit win for the Bills. Give me Buffalo laying five and a half last pick of the week. I mean, I like this if Allen's playing. I agree with you. But the thing is, I, I, we don't know if Allen's playing or not. They yeah. said that they're going to make that decision on Friday. If it's Case Keenum, you got a revenge game. Sure, going up against Minnesota. I, I'm curious, though, to see what that injury is going to be. Are you going to be able to change your pick? Or are you going to change I'm, your record I'm, if, I'm, if I'm Allen's lock, playing I'm, or not? I'm locking it in. You're locking it in no matter what. All right, all the power to you. If Josh Allen's playing, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think the line dropped. It was a six the other day. I think it dropped at half a point. Right? There's a little uncertainty about it. I think, he's, I think all certainty is going to play. Uh, listen, I hope he does for the sake of everyone's entertainment value, because no offense to Case Keenum, he's not the same entertainment value as Josh Allen plowing over people. 
Yeah, he is not the same guy here. So to reset the picks for week number 10 here, uh, Stanko has gone with the Steelers getting two and a half at home against the Saints. The Bears laying two and a half at home against the Detroit Lions. The 49ers laying seven on Sunday Night Football against the Los Angeles Chargers. My picks, I'm taking the Giants getting six and a half at home against the Houston Texans. Family play on the Chicago Bears getting two and a half against the Lions. And the Buffalo Bills getting five and a half, laying five and a half at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Probably the best game of the week. Those are your picks for week number 10 here on the podcast. And coming up next week, you're going to be joined by uh, a, good friend, a good friend of ours, Troy Moriello, a Cowboy fan. So we're going to talk about his Cowboys. They get ready for their shot at the Vikings next week. Listen, I think, like you said, the Vikings, they could lose three out of their next four games. Uh, they got the Bills this week. They got the Cowboys next week. I know they played the Patriots, which I think, frankly, might be a pretty competitive matchup on Thanksgiving evening. So they might lose the three out of their next four games. Yeah, and the Jets are the fourth game in there. Uh, great. I mean, that's you could argue the Jets are better than the Patriots. Yeah. So that they might lose three out of their next four. Yeah, I, I think they're good. I just don't know how good they actually are. That's why I think it's fascinating. I do have to get a Viking fan on the podcast this year if I could find one. I mean, I mean, you got to find one. I got a coworker if you need someone desperately. He keeps on railing, like, oh, we're, we only have one loss. Everyone's counting us down, blah, blah, blah. But then we go through the schedule, and it's like, bro, you've played, like, one good team, and all your wins are by single digits, one possession. Yeah. Like, you're cutting every single one of these games close. Credit to you. You are winning, but you're not going to be dancing with chains dripping down your neck on airplanes every single week. <laughs> That's true, John. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll be a follow on social media. Keep up with some of your uh, content over in Stanko Stance. Uh, follow me at stankosstance.com or on Twitter or any social media platform at jstanko99. All right, John. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. We are back here on the two-minute drill. You hear Timmy Trumpet's narco playing here in the background because the Mets have brought Edwin Diaz back on a five-year contract worth $102 million, less than 24 hours after the offseason began. A huge free agent sign, a huge splash for the Mets. They look to get themselves to win a World Series next year. The deal includes an opt-out for Diaz after year three. The team out to the sixth year for the Mets that can push the total value of the contract $122 million. A full no-trade clause for Diaz through the opt-out year, so that's three years of full no-trade. $26.5 million in deferred money to lower the luxury tax on the contract. This is a fantastic move for the Mets, and one they had to make because they could not afford to lose Edwin Diaz given the terrible alternatives on the market. The only other free agent closers really have any sort of reputation here. Kenley Jansen, who we saw at the Braves, struggled with most of this year. Or all this Chapman, who Yankee fans can tell you, is not the same guy anymore. And guys like Rafael Montero... You're looking at maybe Taylor Rogers. You can't do that in New York. Diaz also made it clear here that he wanted to stay. He wanted to be a Met. So it was fantastic to see the Mets come up with a strong market value deal and not waste anybody's time letting Diaz test the market because, yes, I know as much as, you know, Diaz wants to stay. He said he wants to stay. 
All it takes is, you know, somebody on the market saying, well, like, I'll give Edwin Diaz $125 million a year for four years. And then he says, okay, bye. You can't afford that. So, you know what? Give him a good deal. Take care of this. Great job. Getting Diaz back here allows the Mets to focus on some other priorities of the offseason, just trying to retain Jacob DeGrom, Brandon Nimmo. I don't know where else, you know, someone trying to go after Diaz here and locking up the bullpen uh, back end because don't forget, they have to replace the entire bullpen in free agency, which is not easy. There's already going to be some hot takers out there. I've seen them already uh, trying to get the Met fans fired off for clicks, going, oh, the $102 million contract for a closer is a bad idea, reliever volatility, blah, blah, blah. Is it a risk? Yeah, sure, it's a risk. The Mets can afford to take money risks. Because they have the richest owner in the league. He wants to win at all costs. So giving Edwin Diaz $102 million, fine value by me. Also great because the Mets, you know, for years have been hesitant to pay their own guys under the Wilpons. They let their guys get the free agency and then all chaos breaks loose. We still remember the Zach Wheeler decision that the Wilpons made not to pay him. That stung us because obviously he went on to be a star for the Phillies and now he helped the Phillies pitch the World Series this year. Getting this done is helpful. The underrated asset here is just deferred money. It's also a savvy move because it allows the Mets to hand out more big contracts without running up the extremely high luxury tax bill. I know that yes, the value on the dollars is going to look like a lot, but you're lowering the luxury taxes. That's the important number here. It allows them to be more creative with their structures and signing contracts and not going too far over that fourth luxury tax threshold, the Cohen tax. We know they want Jacob DeGrom back. Even if he does come back, there's only at least one more starter beyond him. The Mets need bullpen help. Plus, they have to re- either retain Brandon Nimmo or let him go and add more pop on offense for somebody like Trey Turner or DH upgrades. There's a lot of work to be done. The possibilities are endless in the Mets right now. They have the resources to go big game hunting. They've heard they want to. You can get make this 101-win team even better next year. Sure, a lot more fun to be a Mets fan right now than it has been over the past decade. And with that, I want to end the show for the week. I want to thank my guest, Matt Verderant, for coming on to do the NFL midseason report. I want to thank John Stanger for doing our Week 10 NFL picks. You work with stuff like this podcast. Clearly, my take on why the NCAA tournament does not need to expand Figures a good topic to discuss with college basketball coming back and a lot of the commissioners in the big league saying we should look at this. Please don't. Check out the blog over at justonthesuffering.wordpress.com. Check out the Sky Guys podcast. Episode 10 of Andor. This show's a lot of fun. That's going to be out in the Sky Guys feed on Thursday. We'll be out on the Justin Suffering feed this weekend, so you don't want to wait for that coverage. Subscribe to the Sky Guys feed. Same podcast mentioned at the top of the show. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. Kind of next week on the podcast, we're going to get ready for the World Cup. Yes, the World Cup in November. Martina Puccio is going to be here to do some World Cup coverage, preview the tournament, or do some NFL picks and more. Until then, have a better week than the Raider fans. Yeah.